Shannon Kerfman. Outstanding. Thank you for joining us here today. Musician Shannon Kerfman. And we grew up in the same hometown, I should say. Not, it wasn't my hometown. My hometown is Minneapolis. And then I moved to Fargo. And Shannon grew up in Fargo and then moved to Minneapolis. So I guess it's kind of a reverse. I'm just processing right now um, as, <laughs> as we're talking. But uh, just for a brief overview, I, I didn't realize that you got signed at age 13. I guess I thought you were a little bit older. So it was fun for me to get kind of reconnected a little bit. Just in a very short overview for the listening audience out there, talk a little bit about your career. You're 12 years old. You get recognized. You get scouted. 13 years old, you're, you sign with Clive Davis. So just kind of take over from there and give us an update to where you're at today with uh, the touring of Kid Rock. Uh, yeah, I started in Fargo, and um, I ended up moving to Minneapolis. Uh, I, I was splitting my time, but I had I was recording an album independently. So this was before I got signed, so I must have been about 12. Um, during that time... Uh, I started writing with a lot of people in Minneapolis. I ended up uh, recording in Minneapolis. You know, things were just kind of pulling that way. Because, you know, the bigger city, I guess, the the bigger the music scene, um, the better the studios, you know, all that sort of thing. So I ended up putting out an album independently when I was 12. And I, uh, through SoundScan, which, you know, tells, um, you know, it reports how many albums you sold every week. Uh, we, we started doing that because Best Buy and Target had picked up my album. Um, they're also Minneapolis companies. They believe in a lot of local music. Uh, so uh, just kind of a byproduct of that was doing SoundScan. Um, with doing that, all of the labels and Manhattan and stuff just showed up to <laughs> my gigs. I had a Tuesday night gig at Bunkers in Minneapolis. I love Bunkers. Yeah, it's the best. And, um, you know, these guys started pulling up in fancy cars and fancy suits. And, and, and how old were you? Were, guys. You were 12 at this time? Yeah, I was 12. Okay. And 13. Then how did, how did you meet Clive Davis? Uh, a guy named Pete Ganbarg um, was the head of ANR for Arista Records, and he had been one who was scouting me. And um, actually, they ended up all offering us deals. Uh, so I, I got to pick, which was really <laughs> insane because we weren't, you know, the our intention of me playing music, and I. When I say our, I mean my parents and I. Um, it wasn't to get signed. I, we certainly didn't think that this was going to be some sort of career, at least anytime soon. Um, you know, in my head, it was going to be a process of getting through school in Fargo, going to high school, being able to move out, move to Minneapolis, hopefully find someone that would let me like rent a room in Uptown. And just start grinding, you know, and hope that, uh, you know, coffee shops would let me play and things like that. And everything just just happened so quickly. Do you um, do you have any family that has music connections that might maybe helped out at all? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, does your did no. your dad work for a record company or anything like that? 
No, my dad was a train engineer at Burlington Northern, and oh. my mother worked for the IRS. <laughs> well, now it all makes sense. You got the you got the railroad and the internal revenue system. No wonder you're so successful. Um, uh, just, wait, does Kid Rock know that? Because I don't think he'd let you in his band if he knew the IRS connection. <laughs> yeah, I think my mother's career probably hindered mine. <laughs> <laughs> now, would, are you still classified as a blues musician? I don't think so. Uh, well, you were earlier in your in your career, right? That's how you were kind of classified as a blues musician, or did am I am I not remembering correctly? No, I really was, and I don't really know why. Okay, I, good. I don't but, know if I've. I mean, I don't really play twelve bar blues songs. Um, do you think much. it was your voice? It was your kind of your raspy Amy Winehouse sounding voice, or? I think it was that, and the fact that I had a guitar. That okay. I played lead, you know, and, um, and you're just so cool looking. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I think that at that time, so many kids were coming out, and anyone with a guitar, they just made us be blues, you know, or at least in their heads. And those are the festivals we were playing. So it wasn't only like Johnny Lang and Kenny Wayne Shepherd and me, but there was also like Je- um, Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks is not blues. Um, you know, he's a very rootsy artist, but he's not blues. Um, and you know, Johnny is, is, I feel is far more influenced by old soul, R&B, funk. Um, that's also kind of where my heart sits as well as, uh, you know, I'm a Zeppelin baby. (laughs) I really like, uh, that type of classic rock that time. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't really think any of us were really all that blues except for Kenny Wayne. Yeah, yet I, I for some reason, I like I said, I just remember that's what you were always categorized as, and and you're oh, kind of yeah. like, oh no, I don't think so. And I know that you know people change, times change, but sometimes just labels change too, in in different industries and that sort of thing. So, uh, just a quick plug for your music: if somebody is listening right now and they wanted to buy or sample, or whatever it might be. Is, do, do you have any websites that you direct people to? Um, iTunes, uh, Amazon Music. I have yet to <laughs> I have yet to try Spotify and things like that, but I know my music's on there because I see residuals. <laughs> I see money from there. You um, get your you, you get your thirty cents every year from Spotify. <laughs> right, right. Oh yeah, I mean I've. Um, that whole Spotify and, and some of these other royalties, CD babies and things, I don't think they're um, mapping out or quite panning out like a lot of people thought they would. Yeah, it, it's been pretty rough. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a time, you know, in the industry um, where people ask me, you know, what what would I tell their, their kid that's in music or that sort of thing. And, and um, the only thing that... I can really say about this business at this point because I feel like we're all sort of lost as last year's Easter egg is to diversify, just diversify and, and be able to cover ground in all sorts of things. Um, one of the things that we're doing at our show at talk in, in Dilworth is um, I reached out to the high schools in Fargo and I said, listen, I really want to do, a cover of the song Hallelujah, you know, the Leonard Cohen song, um, you know, very famously done by Jeff Buckley. And, um, 
and I would like someone to play um, play some sort of string instrument on it. And uh, we ended up finding this this kid named Alex. He's 17 years old, and he's going to come and play violin with us. And um, you know, part of that is just you know I really wanted to find someone who would who would really benefit from the experience and um, be able to get on a stage and play with a band as opposed to just playing in high school, which is just fine too. But this is a 17-year-old a, a who wants more from music. Um, and now where his heart is really lying is in singing and in writing. Um, and it's just such a, such a cool thing to to witness but that's also how I was and without people really sticking their necks out like they did for me especially because of my age I never would have had the career I've had ever I just I, I can't even imagine um how it would have been had I had to wait another 10 years to be able to follow my passion I absolutely love when someone can recognize the importance of opportunity and being able yeah. just to give people who want opportunity opportunities amazing because I you know this as well as I do there's a lot of people out there just starving for an opportunity and they would do anything for it and a lot of times they don't get it and sometimes opportunities just seem to come to the same people over and over again and um, sure. so it's 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 you also have to you you have to hustle too you have to be enough for people to believe in you you got to create you know? your own opportunity is right you, you right. know um, hey I wanted to ask you about the shows you know you're you normally tour with Kid Rock and so you've got you got an off year going so you're doing some some off shows or some side shows and I want to ask you about your vocal surgery in a second here but um, when you do your shows. I, I want to ask you a couple comments I, I got from past musicians. One is from uh, Matthew Nelson of Matthew and Gunnar Nelson. And what he talked about was the ch we talked about the changing of the media business and social media and just how everything has evolved over the last 15 years, for example. And he said that your song almost has become a commercial for your concert. What do you think of that? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought I, th I thought he was pretty spot on because, and he was talking about to where you hardly make any money with the songs. You make it at the concerts and the live events and the merchandise. And then I remember Blind Joe. And you do you know Blind Joe? He's from Fargo. Yeah, he actually opened for me the last time I played there. A okay. Years ago. Um, Blind Joe, he's a good he's a good friend of mine. Um, he actually played at my cancer benefit and. He he's he talked about just the merchandise, you know, it's selling the the keychains with the with the uh, you know the the blind Joe picture on there, or and he talked about maybe getting into canes and same. It was along the same lines that you got to get people to your show because then you can sell the merchandise, and that's kind of what Matthew Nelson was talking about too. Um, you, you tour with Kid Rock, you have your own concerts. What just what, what do you make of those two statements by uh, uh, you know your colleagues? Yeah, I find that really interesting. I, you know, I'm really behind the times. I'm not one for YouTube. I'm not one for uh, social media. When you see me posting on social media, it's because I've gotten a plethora of messages from people saying, are you okay? Uh, you know, you haven't 
posted anything in a while and things like that. And it's like, oh, man, you know, I kind of forget people even care um, because I'm not really thinking anyone would want to hear from me anyway, unless it's about a show or something. Um, So that sort of thing comes really unnaturally to me. Uh, It was maybe a month or two ago that I realized that people just go to YouTube and don't even have something in particular that they're searching for. You know, (laughs) they just go and browse. Like I, you know, just fall down that rabbit hole. I never knew that. I have also never Googled myself. That's just never been something that's crossed my mind. I mean, someone asked me, I had a friend here that was a comedian that stayed with us for um, about a week. And, and she's like, oh, yeah, I saw this on, you know, on Google, and when I Googled you. And I said, you, you Googled me? Like, why would one do that? <laughs> you know, my music's my music and kind of the rest is irrelevant. And, you're, you know, no one's going on Google to, to look up someone's music. I got news um, for you. I've had, I've had people Google me before interviews. Oh, yeah. Just to, yeah. Just to decide if they liked my, I don't know, political view, non-political view kids in my sure. pictures of my kids i don't know i mean it's just kind of it, like it's weird though right it's it's really a foreign feeling i mean well, at least it is to me I, i'm i'm more afraid to google myself because i don't want to see what i did in the past i'm good i'm good i'm good with what i did let's just leave it there i'm i'm just gonna you know it's kind of like one of those things i got enough mirrors around the house i'm good <laughs> i don't need to do any more of that introspection on the web um, it'll probably bring me right to the dark web you know that thing that is called but that's 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 interesting though that you're like that to where you've created an environment where it just it doesn't matter can i ask you is that is that because of your early fame with somebody like a Clive Davis, and then a continued ation of that all the way to current with Kid Rock? Because I've heard this a lot from a certain echelon of fame where they just don't engage with the social media and even the, the newspapers and a lot of things because it's just, it's not healthy for them. It's just best to just, you know what, live your life and whatever people are saying, they're saying, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I, I do think that, um, you know, part of, of why it feels so weird to me is probably because I was so young uh, when when all this happened at, in, in such a large spectrum. I mean, I did every late night show. I did every morning show, every day show. I mean, it was just insane. You know, it was just we were all over the place. And and uh, and then people, I mean, still to this day there are so many people that come to my shows who really feel like they know everything about me. Um, and I, I, but I think we're, and that's fine. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I, I actually, that actually makes me feel really connected, I guess, to my audience. Um, but there have definitely been a lot of instances where people have crossed the line and, and there's been, you know, restraining orders and things like that. And, uh, and I think that's really made me kind of shut down in a lot of ways, um, with social media and, um, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to kind of come around to it because, you know, like, like that guy said, you know, there really is something to the theory that you're, you know, your single is like a commercial, you know, for, for your live show, um, or for your act. And, uh, 
you know, but if someone will listen to a song, say they're listening to it on YouTube or, or whatever streaming service, another one's going to start right after it. So, but if you don't have anything else out there, they're not going to have anything to listen to. So, you know, keep the commercial going, I guess. I guess, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it's definitely, I, I've been waiting in the pool, I guess. And, and at this point, I know that I need to start uh, posting videos on YouTube and things like that. Um, I have uh, also considered just releasing individual songs, just just releasing singles on iTunes and Amazon, uh, as opposed to a full album, uh, just because of people's, um, you know, people don't really have the patience <laughs> anymore for an album. Um, but I don't know. I, I really have lucked out with my fan base there. Uh, I think they're more just music fans. They're more Roots music fans. They really do want to buy the album. They really want a physical product. They do want the the ticket to the show and to spread the word and to buy T-shirts and all those things. So you know, one of the things that it, it takes me a lot of time um, uh, every day, but I do sell my albums and merch on my website. Um, and I sign the albums and personalize them how you want them personalized because I really do respect and appreciate the fact that there are people out there that still enjoy that. How long have you been touring with Kid Rock? I've been touring with Kid for 10 years. Okay. Yeah. That's been, and how many tours have you gone on? Do you, um, offhand, do you? In the oh, last 10 one years. after another. Oh, I it has no been. <laughs> okay. Is, is yeah. this like the first summer you have off? Or? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I, I did happen to get sick, too, uh, three years ago. So I uh, missed months um, just in my recovery and after all my surgeries and that sort of thing. Mm. And uh, But cancer-free again so <laughs> so yeah I, I did have an off summer but it wasn't very fun <laughs> i didn't realize you had uh cancer yeah 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 uh so, which 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 body parts if i may ask i had a very invasive melanoma okay um so yeah it was it was pretty terrible and it was very up in the air for a long time um but yeah, we got through it and definitely changes your perspective. And I'm just, you know, what I was doing before you called is I'm just finishing the final stages on my book. Cancer's a B. Cancer's a B-I-T-C-H. Two covers. One for those who can handle words and ones who just want the letter B. And right. um, yeah, and, and that's what it is. It's a collection of stories of my processing cancer i was um last summer i went in for a colonoscopy and had stage two possibly stage four cancer and um surgery and ended up getting a uh, c diff infection below 150 pounds and just it was a quite an ordeal and so we got the um publication coming out hopefully in the next couple of days that's how so i didn't realize that about you and how long have you been uh I'm, I'm still i'm not a year yet so i'm not out of the woods you know i got no one more scan in may and then i've got um 
my one year anniversary two months after that, I guess. And then I get my annual colonoscopy to find out. But um, how, how many years have you been cancer free? Um, I'm at about three years right now. Okay. I, I just reached three years. Yeah. I, um, that's pretty great that, you know, if you, if you're only going to have to go in, you know, once a year and yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I'm not really out of the woods yet either, but, um, Oh, you yeah, never are. Really, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's really, uh, I, I've actually been following, um, the progress of your book. Oh, have you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it definitely, you know, interests me and, and it pertains, you know, it, it pertains to my whole family. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I, I got to tell you what it happened to me yesterday, just a sidebar real quick. I'm not yeah. trying to make the interview about me here, but, um, no. yeah, I was, um, getting my, uh, teeth cleaned and, you know that three to five minutes when the dentist comes in and a- approves what the dental hygienist does and then uh-huh. leaves? Uh, well, my normal guy was out, and so the guy filling in uh, was a uh, classmate's father. That So a guy that I went to elementary school, church, confirmation, and graduated high school with. It was his dad. And so he's probably 67, we'll call it. And we started talking, and of course, he knew I had cancer because it was in my chart and everything else. And we started talking, and he just goes, you know, my wife just got diagnosed two weeks ago when we're heading down to Mayo tomorrow. So here I was, a 44-year-old guy, giving advice to my friend's parents because this was the first time cancer had impacted him personally like that because everybody knows somebody who has cancer, but until it impacts your immediate family or your close circle of friends or you— it doesn't impact you. And this was, I could see it. This was the first time it really did. And so here he's asking me for advice and that sort of thing. What a weird position to be in, in my shoes, you know, and I don't know if that's, if, if you found yourself in that shoes or not, but um, do you know what I mean by that? Oh, it's just for somebody our age, that ain't normal. In our age, you're 10 years yeah. younger than me. So <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, it was, um, I think where I, I kind of looked out with my cancer treatment was, um, the cancer, the type of, of cancer I had, they said is the rarest type they've ever found. Wow. Um, because of that, they don't know much except nothing else kills it. So radiation, chemo, things like that won't do it. All they can do is keep kind of scooping out of me um, anything they find. Um, but, you know, hopefully... <laughs> that you know now that there's a name for it and all that um as research is done things will get better with with how they'll be treating it uh but where where i did luck out like i said is um so many people got involved um mayo and and all sorts of different uh doctors were just uh, and oncologists were so intrigued because they think my type of cancer has been um misdiagnosed uh more so than not as uh just uh you know different melanomas that that aren't that shouldn't kill you and then suddenly that person dies and it's like what how did that person die when it was just you know uh, what should have been like a simple melanoma um and uh yeah it was probably this this type of cancer 
And last cancer question, then we'll get to your show um, in just a second here. But, uh, you know, you're, you're young. I'm young. Um, I know there's some 16-year-olds that might argue with us, but we're young. So when, <laughs> when, when I start to see there's more and more people our age, or I'll just say under 50, getting cancer, um, am I – being sensitive to it as far as just because I've had it and I'm noticing it more because I thought I'd noticed it a lot more before uh, I, I was diagnosed. Like, boy, it just certainly seems like there's more and more people these days under the age of 50 that are being diagnosed and getting it just out of the blue, like healthy people just all of a sudden. Have you become aware of that? Am I just more really sensitive of it or is that anything at all that you've even thought about? I have. I I always thought I was very sensitive to it. Um, the doctors that I had uh, actually told me they thought the reason that I was still alive because I was maybe a week from it being everywhere, um, and there would have been nothing they could do was because of the diet that I had for years at that point, which was a ketogenic diet. Um, so I didn't have sugar in my system, so I wasn't feeding my cancer. So the cancer that was there was probably hadn't grown um, in a long time. That means, though, that I had this cancer since um, they thought I was about 16. And it was from a sunburn, like a very, very bad sunburn where I, I, I couldn't wear clothes for a week. I mean, it was really terrible. You know, we went to the hospital and everything. Um, but uh, I do think that there is maybe maybe part of that is at this age, I mean, at the, at this time, people are a little more open about things that are happening with them. Um, because I have gotten a lot of, of that feedback, um, for a long time, uh, what we all said, um, and, you know, I discussed this with Kid Rock. I was going to be missing a lot of shows. People were asking a lot of questions, um, we decided to just say I was having shoulder surgery. Um, I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I didn't want to be looked at as um, a victim or a patient. Uh, I went through that same daughter, thing, by the way. I didn't want to be known as the cancer man. Yeah, yeah. And and my daughter, I, I hadn't told her yet. Um, you know, there were a lot of things. And then once I did tell her, did I want other people coming up to her and saying things? Of course not not at seven years old. So, um, so I, I kept it private when I finally came out and told people it was because I felt that I had a platform that, that mattered enough to be like, guys, just wear sunscreen, you know, put on a shirt. Like this is crazy. You know, I would see people and I'd get so mad, like seeing little children just fried. Um, and that was what my cancer is from. Um, so yeah, it, it got to the point where I finally said something when I did, so many people came to me and said, you know, I had cancer and, or my parents died of cancer and they never even told anyone, you know, they didn't tell anyone until the end. So I do think that there was, uh, that you're hearing about it too, a little bit more just, you know, as well because of people being more open. I've, I've received a lot of, um comments from people like I said that it's it's not so much the ones who are diagnosed it's been the ones who have been impacted by it 
And because being a single parent, I did not leave my son in the dark. Um, I had a few people really write me some very long, heartfelt emails about how, you know, they're a single parent or they were raised in a single parent household with the person with cancer and type thing. And I never thought of it like that before. Like, um, uh, you've got an 11 year old. Did you, did you bring, fold her in? I guess. How, how did you approach that? That's, that's a tough age. She'd have been like eight years old at that time. Is this too personal? By the way, what what kind of show did this turn into here? Is this the view? (laughs) No, I don't mind at all. I uh, She was seven when I was diagnosed. I did not tell her for months until they were comfortable enough getting in there. Because they had already seen one of my tumors. And they knew that they had never seen anything like it. Um, and because there are so many places it can spread right there, obviously. Uh, it really was in my shoulder. Um I we didn't know how far it was and with not having a way to treat my cancer other than surgically um, I wasn't going to tell her until they had their plan on how they were going to treat it um, so yeah it was a really hard um, couple of months uh, where I didn't know if I was going to be around to see her turn nine. Oh. I mean, it was really, and, and, and I'm also a single parent. Um, so where that would leave her, I just, every doctor I met with, every oncologist, every person that would listen to me, I'm like, listen, you need to keep me around for 10 more years, just 10 more years. I need to get her to 18 years old. And, and, you know, thinking that I'm almost like kind of bargaining with them or making a deal like, you know, OK, you don't have to keep me alive for 30 years or 50 years. But if you can just keep me alive for 10, maybe they would be able maybe I wasn't asking too much. I, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror right now because all I could think of is just please get me through to Otis's graduation. Like just, you know what I mean? Like to where he's 18. And I don't know why 18 was the magical age. It was just like. That's what I kept thinking, too, was because I had, oh, it was two to three weeks where it was either stage two or stage four. And that's not a fun time. That is not a fun time. I mean, I remember specifically waking up one day thinking the first thought in my head, today's going to be an awesome day. And I was just forcing positivity and this and that. And and all, what, what I do, I turn on. I turn on YouTube because a lot of times I listen to my music on YouTube and then I play YouTube roulette, just whatever comes up next I listen to. And it was uh-huh. and it was fight song. Well, I don't know how fight song got on there, but my son, he's a he's a musician and he sings. And there there was 117 kids that tried out for the for the school solo. He got it and it was fight song. So what do I do? I buckle to my knees and I'm crying right away because I'm trying to figure out if I'm stage four. I'm begging to anybody who will listen, please give me some more years on this planet so I can spend some time with my son and get him off. But I know I thought it was interesting that you brought up this around the same time frame that I did, too. Is that just I don't know. Um, There's something about that, I guess, to like our job is done or I don't know. This is again. It's not even I've, I've thought a 
lot about this. It really isn't that the job is done. And and it's not like, you know, they magically move out at eight. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, know? I'm just trying to figure out why do we both go to that? <laughs> I almost think it's more of the legal thing. It's going, yeah. I don't want someone else taking my child. Ooh. I don't want my daughter to be somewhere that she's not wanted as much as she's wanted with me. No one will ever want her as much as I want her. That's just... That's just a thing. Yeah. And and until until they're 18 or emancipated, you know, they will go to someone else. And I just, you know, so I, I wondered that so much about myself, too. It's like, why why was my deal with the devil, <laughs> you know, so to speak, 18 for her? Well, I, um, I thought the same thing. Like, after I was diagnosed with stage two, I had a new set of issues but the 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 good news was is i didn't have to have the fatality thoughts as quickly you know and so when i eventually got to the thought i went why was i bargaining only 10 years why would why why wouldn't i do 20 like why was i only doing the minimum or what was like why was i even bargaining at all and so that's kind of like what you were saying like the deal with the devil type thing why was i even doing that but um anyway yeah yeah i was i just remember begging my my surgeons when I was you know counting down I'm like I'm not going to count down numbers for you till I pass out but I'm going to tell you one more time you need to keep me alive for 10 more years <laughs> and, and then I was out you know then I woke up hours later <laughs> and they're like boy you're persistent aren't you <laughs> but you know that's that's that that, that parent thing where Something clicks in you when you have a child, at least, you know, hopefully something clicks in you when you have a child and and nothing else matters. <laughs> right. Just and and, you, and you'll make all kinds of martyring sacrifices just to, you know, do a little bit. But yeah. Well, right. let, let's uh, transition out of the uh, cancer survival talk here and um, get to uh, some other things. You've got some events coming up. Uh, looks like April nineteenth, April twentieth, and then another one in May that I have written down in my notes. Is it just the three shows, or do you have other ones uh, beyond that? Or it's just going to be the three shows for my band. For okay, now. and um, I do have a lot of Kid Rock shows here and there. Uh, yeah, and this is kind of just because of an off year of uh, Kid Rock touring that you just had some open time and thought you'd do a few shows i know the one up in uh, dilworth is for a, a new venue so i don't know if you know the the people there and just kind of doing a, a, a you know a helping them out thing or if you're you know this is an actual show you're trying to you know do or what and you know kind of a hometown type thing or what but i imagine these are these are more going to be more fun than anything for you i get i have such a fun time playing in fargo um in the fargo Morad area um, it, and I'm always so emotional about it. You know, it, it's, it's really fun because so many people in the audience, I know personally then, you know, so there's my family, there's friends, there's people that have followed me and been supporters of mine since I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And, um, you know, what, what really gets me is when I'm playing one of my songs that I've written and I look out and people are crying and it's like, no, and I can't help but cry, too. So I, I have to close my eyes a lot when I'm in the FM area. <laughs> but, um, but you know, those people know where my songs have come from. 
Um, they were around when I wrote them. They've been to enough shows where they've heard me talk about uh, uh, certain songs and, and what inspired them. Um, but it's just, it's such a great feeling to be home. I'm actually probably going to take off and come hang out in Fargo tomorrow if, if weather allows. Uh, I was just there uh, the weekend before last. It's just, it's really hard to stay away. I love I love the FM area. I love the people, and and uh, it definitely grounds me. And the one in Minneapolis the night before on the 19th, so April 20th is the Fargo-Moorhead. Um, it's in Dilworth, but the Fargo-Moorhead show, right, April 20th? Yep. 420, yep. baby. Woo! And that's then, right. Um, it should be a heck of a show. And then that, <laughs> which I, I know that that's not what you're – your shows and uh, are culturized like a Rastafarian show, but it, <laughs> but but when it's the date, you know, you just kind of hey, people wear green on St. Patrick's Day, and some people celebrate 420 in the way that Colorado does. So, uh, yep. how about April 19th? That's in Minneapolis, correct? Yep, uh, that's at a bar called Shaw's in Northeast Minneapolis okay. on University and 15th, and uh, he's just a very dear friend of mine, Mike Shaw, and. Um, I told him I would play at his venue once every year or two, as long as I could. So, uh, I do, we sell a hundred tickets and it's incredible. It's just, uh, you know, a sweaty, you know, uh, little venue and, um, those are the best. Those are the best. Um, I, I, I prefer those actually. I'm not a big fan of, um, Big, big concerts unless it's you know like a, like like a kid rock or a pink or a black eyed peas who really can make you know make it about the um the size as well but some you know a lot of concerts just not they're not very good in a big arena they just don't translate as well and so uh the small intimate settings are so fun so fun in fact yeah, like it can get sterile right it I mean, can theaters like, I remember one of the best shows I ever saw, I think, was in the Orpheum down in Minneapolis. That was a great venue for this uh, piano, bluesy, Americana concert I went to. You know, it was not everything would work in there, but for the music and the placement and just the venue, uh, I was actually quite surprised that how well it worked and that sort of thing. But um, so 100 people on the 19th. Uh, the new venue, what's that, about 1,000? Does it hold? 800, 400? I think four or 500 is what it holds. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. And then um, May, do, do you have a anywhere in May yet that you that you have confirmed, or you just kind of have a date out there? May, I'm doing uh, May 25th, I believe, in Sioux City. Oh. Um, which I also love playing. Uh, Sioux yeah, City, I, Iowa? Yep, oh, Sioux I City, Iowa. Spent a week there one night. Woo! <laughs> I yeah, that's a that's a fun one for sure. Sioux, Sioux City. I used to do a magazine there, and uh, back in my former life, and um, I used to. What I remember is the stockyards driving in the empty stockyards. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so okay, cool. That's coming up. And is there anywhere that people can go buy tickets as far as a website? Yeah, you can go to shannonkerfman.com and um, there'll be links up for tickets for all those places except for Shaw's in Minneapolis that you have to go to the venue and they may be sold out. Um, I'm guessing they are actually, but uh, you can call there. There's numbers for all the venues as well. 
Um, Talk is actually doing something super rad, which I just found out about. So children 12 and under are free. Um, We are very aware that Easter is the next day. So the show isn't a super late show. Um, I actually think we will be done by 11. Okay. Maybe a little earlier. Um, Just in honor of (laughs) knowing people, you know, there's plenty of people that want to go to church and be with their families and do Easter egg hunts and all that the next day. Just understanding Easter, yes, okay. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, so we were trying to not be super rude about that. Um, And, uh, yeah, and then I'll be on break for at least a couple of months because I blew out my vocal cords. I have to get vocal surgery. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. So these are just my last little shows to, uh, to, uh, to do before I, before I get through all that. But, um, they're kind of fun because my voice is a little different. So pretty raspy anyway. I've always been pretty raspy, but, uh, but yeah, this will be kind of my last time playing around with my voice like this before, before it's changed again. Can't wait to hear it when it changes. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. What a weird thing. Um, yeah. I mean, to just have a different voice. And I I'll, I always think of my friend Willie. My friend Willie was in a propane explosion, one of those ice castles. That, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he was the closest one to the propane. There was like four of them in one of those ice castles on the lake, and it exploded. He had uh, 90% of his body was burned. He was in a coma for 18 months, I think it was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and he had to learn how to breathe again. you imagine that? He had to learn wow. how to breathe again because the ventilator had done his breathing for 18 months. His body forgot. And I was looking at him going, that's an instinct. Like That's like the first thing a child does. And you have to learn how. And he said it was hard. It was really hard. So... Uh, I don't know. So what what you said there reminded me of that about how you know sometimes you got to just start from the basics, I guess. But uh, anywho. yeah, I, I, we we kind of went through that with my daughter. She had a been attacked by a dog, and I was on the road, and I was able to get home by the time they pulled her out of uh, her like second or third surgery. It was all day. I finally got there that night, and um, she had to relearn how to talk and how to eat, how to like drinking was the worst and using a straw, oh. like, you know, being able to like suck on something like all of it. It was just uh, devastating, but how yeah, long, you definitely how, take a lot of things for granted. And I don't know, man. I just how long I kind of keep getting these little, little blows that sort of from me. <laughs> how long does it take you to talk again? Cause you've had a vocal uh, larynx surgery before. Right. And so how long yeah. does that take before you can speak again? Uh, I can't fully use my voice for at least a couple months. Okay. Um, I can't talk at all at first, of course. Um, I'll be going back to my team of doctors and they'll kind of test me out and, you know, at least allow those couple of months before they, you know, so they can sort of guide me along. Um, so I don't damage myself again. Um, unfortunately, when I had the first surgery on my on my vocal cords, I had I had uh, polyps basically on both. But they won't ever do surgery on both vocal cords. Um, it's just it, there's just a, a a chance that if they nick your vocal cord or anything like that, 
you will um, your your voice will be paralyzed forever. So I wouldn't be able to talk. I wouldn't be able to to whisper. Um, certainly wouldn't be able to sing. So uh, the safest route is just to do one at a time. So I'm kind of getting like a residual effect of the surgery I did in 2010. Now I have to go and complete it um, because it's worn on my other vocal cord so badly. Hmm. Well, I wish you luck on that. And um, looking forward to the April 20th concert. 19th well, is uh, going to be down and that's, that's, that's probably sold out. So April 19th, you're not going folks. Um, April, <laughs> April 20th, you, you might be able to get to, if you get to get to tickets and then the Sioux city in May 25th, and then a little hiatus, a little surgery back on the road again, kid rock next year. I'd imagine is, is kind of, that's the, that's the idea anyways, is once kid rock gets back on tour, you're going to be back on and, um, seeing what the next year holds, huh? Yeah, yeah, we do have at least one show in Minnesota with Kid Rock this year in August. I'll be back for all that. I won't oh, you do any shows with him. Oh, you're kidding me! Yeah. So your your vocal larynx is going to be fine by then, huh? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, last time I didn't listen at all, and I ended up doing shows two, three weeks later. So. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, that's that answers a lot there. Right. Uh, right. No kid, no, but so. you know, this is kind of an off year just because we're sort of in an album cycle, right? So, you know, after two, three years of touring, I have to stop so he can make another album and mm-hmm. we can get back into the studio and have another product to sell and new songs to sing. So. I, I was going to say, last time I really heard or saw Kid Rock, he was being inducted into the WWE's Hall of Fame last year um, for uh, his stuff in WrestleMania through the years. He got inducted in there. That was Yeah. Yeah, that was all, all anything. I think he did Celebrate. He did one song for them, too. Um, yeah. As their main theme, I guess. Yeah, something along those lines. So, okay. Well, outstanding. ShannonKerfman.com. And uh, any final thoughts? Nope. If you're looking <laughs> me up, though, it's with a C, not a K. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs>